Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most American podcast network. In the 26th century, mankind faces an epic struggle for survival. The forces of nature have spun wildly out of control. Hey, what's Pac-Man, everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons podcast, where today I watched Cadillacs and Dinosaurs with my friend Emma Hislop. Emma uses she, her pronouns. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at StopTweetingMia. Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm here. If you need to talk. In this savage land, one man stands alone, Jack Tenrang, defending humanity in a world gone mad. A world where only the strong survive. A world of Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Ugh, I've got like this bad case of like pre-show jitters. And I get that a lot lately and I don't know what that is really or how to get over it. I've always had stage fright or like a healthy amount of like, oh God, what could happen kind of thing. It, yeah. And it's, it's not even that anymore. Now it's just like weirding yeah. performance anxiety that has nothing to do with the outcome of the show. Because like, I know that barring me getting a guest that's not very good, like the show's going to turn out great. Like I've been doing it for five years. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know that I'm funny. It's more like I'm about to start and I'm like, what if I forget how to talk <laughs> like <laughs> what if I forget how to exist as a person and I melt into a puddle on the floor like that could happen but lately it's been more about like trying to get my voice right I guess because I've been doing a lot of voice training stuff and like mm-hmm. especially on the show I sound a lot more masculine than I do in my day-to-day life which is strange I think and I mean, I'm not like an expert, obviously, but like from experience, it definitely has to do with when you practice something, you get that thing into you with the current environment. And I'm sorry because I don't really have any tips because it just like fixed itself over time. Right. Yeah, that's sort of the thing is it seems like something that's going to figure it itself out with time. Right now, what what seems to be the issue is that, like, I start off the show and I sound pretty good, like, what I want to sound like for the most part. And then as the show goes on, I just kind of, like, slip into, like, another voice because I forget how to, like, do it. And I'm having so much fun that I, like, yeah, just don't – am not in my own head anymore. And that sucks that, like, yeah. if I'm having fun and laughing, then I forget how to talk the way I want to talk. 
if I'm having a conversation with somebody that I'm very close to, and then in the middle of the conversation, I realize that my voice has dropped to my old pre-transition voice. It's hard to bump back into it unless I acknowledge it and tell the person, okay, right now I'm going to start talking more femininely because I'm supposed to be doing that and I forgot. I kind of get the same thing. Like I, like I don't drop all the way back into my, like, like this is my guy register. This is how I would talk as a guy. Right. So like, I don't all the way, don't, don't make it all the way back down, but. Yeah. I mean, people can listen to old episodes of this podcast and hear how I used to sound it. Um, It wasn't great for me (laughs) in particular, but that's fine. Um, Let's talk about Cadillacs and dinosaurs. I feel like I'm ready for this now. The big question that I had the entire series was just why are there dinosaurs <laughs> the entire time? I'm like, well, well, Emma, the did, thing how is, how did we get dinosaurs here? It, the thing is, is it's the future. The year is 2516. So, of course, there's dinosaurs. It's the future. Obviously, obviously. They're just waiting for their time to come <laughs> back. <laughs> You know what? That's probably what's happening right now. Like, they're in a cave somewhere. Mm-hmm, They've got, like, this secret underground society, and they're just waiting for the 2500s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it the, the show just sort of leaves it up to you, the viewer, to sort of figure out how this happened. And it's like, I guess that maybe all of the supplementary materials, the video games, the comic books, yeah. all of the fan fiction or whatever online would sort of explain how this happens. But it's like... Would the show really have been all that much better if there was one first episode that was like, here's how the dinosaurs came back? That's valid. Yeah, I've seen Jurassic Park. I know how this happens. Right, but at least with Jurassic Park, you get the exposition of, oh, we're doing scientific experiments on it. Like, there's some sort of lead into it other than just like... Well, we're post-apocalyptic now and dinosaurs, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is like in in the future in the We're Back universe. Oh. The Steven Spielberg okay. question mark animated yeah. film. Yeah. When was this released? This was in 94. So no, yeah, 93, Jurassic, 94, yeah. Um, Jurassic Park would have been out by then, right? No, no, this this predated Jurassic Park. I did not think about that. Yeah, this was right before serious? Jurassic Park because Jurassic Park came out in 1993. Three. That is a good point. I just assumed that it was after Jurassic Park, but that came out June 11th, 1993. So like maybe okay, they were so, so there is two months difference. <laughs> so the first episode for Cadillacs and Dinosaurs was September 18th, 93. Honestly, should have been the title of Jurassic Park, by the way. Like, Steven Spielberg's Cadillacs and Seriously. Dinosaurs would have been sick. Seriously, I would watch that. I would watch that. To be clear, my question as to why are there dinosaurs, why is it post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. has no measure on how much I enjoyed this series. Because this was just so, like, it was just batshit. And I'm like, I love it. <laughs> I am going to watch the rest of it, for sure. It was really crazy. I guess... It was definitely a crazy idea because the whole show has like a very environmental message and yet they ride around in gas guzzling Cadillacs the entire time and and fight dinosaurs and stuff. But I guess that I expected from the title of the show for it not to feel as grounded because somehow watching it, I was like, this all makes too much sense. Like there's nothing crazy going on here. Yeah. Like, as as illogical as some of it is, once you, like, buy into the universe, Mm -hmm. it all kind of makes sense. 
So the concept for Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, for anybody that hasn't seen it, it, it is on YouTube, um, all 13 episodes, and it's it's pretty worth watching. I would recommend going to check this one out. Basically, it's based off of an arcade game, so you know that like they're pretty much just buying into the batshit craziness of it all. The year is 2516. There are like tiny little mega cities, but not really. Like it's not like Judge Dredd style. They're just like tiny tribes for the most part. There's dinosaurs run amok and everybody in the main cast has a Cadillac. Um, But they also care very much about the environment. (laughs) And I guess that's my question about the main character in this show Jack Tenrack. Oh, God. Jack Tenrack and Hannah Dundee. Those are our two leads. <laughs> Great names. Um, yeah. Jack is a little scary. He hates scientists, hates politicians. At one point, he, like, turns on the radio in his car, and he's like, I don't like this station. And he, like, kicks it with his boot and breaks his car. He just sort of rage quits every situation. But he's also a very caring environmentalist. Yeah. Who really cares about animals. And I'm like, what are we supposed to be understanding about this man? He's just an action hero. He's literally just, they wanted to to launch a toy line off of him, I guess. And they just had to make a generic action hero. He's actually a lot like Owen from Jurassic World, if you think about it. Like salt of the earth guy loves a good beer loves breaking things when he's mad kind of an asshole to women yeah all of those things and he's good all of the voice performances in the show especially his are pretty off the wall he just kind of goes around and talks like this the entire time i'm jack tenrack and guess what i'm gonna stop you and it's like wow jack okay but yeah yeah the one expletive remark that i heard all the time was like wahoo and i'm like why why do you feel like you need to a include swearing in a kid's show and b like i don't know like it it just like why don't why don't you just go with shit oh darn oh Oh. crap (laughs) okay well well because it's the year 2516 like of course they've invented new swear words they don't even call the dinosaurs dinosaurs because in another episode that I watched, there's a man from the past who comes back, is like tricking out of cryosleep, and they're like, those things that you used to call dinosaurs, now we call them Easy Glide or something like that. Like, it's something what? stupid. Yeah, they're like, we don't call them dinosaurs anymore. I'm like, I swear to God you've called them dinosaurs before. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so like they explain in show that they don't call them dinosaurs, even though they know what dinosaur means. So, like, they're just choosing <laughs> to ignore all pretext of, like, existing social so- social constructs and language. Right. <laughs> to yeah. make up their own shit. Yeah, because they're like, they're yeah. like, that's from the, the ancients, you know, like, that. that's what they call the people from before the fall of society. It's very much like a Mad Max world plus dinosaurs, which is what Mad Max needs. I would be, like, first in line for a Mad Max feature with dinosaurs. So it's not even just, like, they they call, like, dinosaurs as, like, a a species something different. Like, each dinosaur has their own 
unique name. Right, that exactly. That I guess they wanted the kids to pick up on and like, oh, this is my like wind rider. Meanwhile, right. it's just like a pterodactyl or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> right. And and as that was happening, all of the, the henchmen would be like, oh man, check out that load of Zeke's over there and point to a bunch of pterodactyls. And I'd be like, yeah. Okay. So do I not know something about dinosaurs? Because I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know a whole lot about dinosaurs. Like I've seen Jurassic Park, Jurassic World. I didn't even know that much about dinosaurs when I was a kid, and I've lost all that information now. So maybe Zeke's mm-hmm. are a type of pterodactyl, and the show knows more about dinosaurs than me. I'm willing to admit that. But it sort of seems like they don't. <laughs> they had an opportunity to educate the kids of America, and they didn't do it. And they didn't do it. Yeah. That's so cruel. So we have Jack Tenrack. We've got Hannah Dundee, and Hannah is like a... An ambassador, question mark, slash scientist. There's not really all that much about her. And also just, like, tag along for the main protagonist. That's like, true. They, they have sort of a contentious relationship, and they just need to fucking get it over with, to be honest. Yeah, right? I'm like, just, just, just get a room. 20 minutes. That'll solve all your problems. Well, I don't, I don't know about all your problems, but it will for sure release some sexual <laughs> tension that's very latent. 100%. hannah is boring she doesn't really do all that much like i was watching an episode of the show where she like falls in love with a robot that was pretty good oh wow yeah okay so we have robots yeah i'll talk about that in a little bit um (laughs) we've got jack we've got hannah we've got all jack's friends boring who cares the villain of the show is who I really want to Mm -hmm. talk about. She's the real Mm -hmm. star of the show here. The mayor of the town, or the governor, or whatever they call her, Shorehorst? Yeah, Governor Wilhelmina Scharnhorst. Governor Wilhelmina... Power hungry and uncaring. Scharnhorst. The the classic butch lesbian stereotype. Yeah. Um, (laughs) She's incredible. (laughs) She's just like a bodybuilder. Like She's so like big... And um, and evil. She hates the environment. She is constantly trying to develop like death lasers. Yeah, she is uh, Jack Tenrack's arch nemesis. And most episodes do end with them screaming at each other and then running away. (laughs) But then in the next episode, she's like, hey, Jack, you want to work with me on something else? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure. That sounds pretty good. (laughs) Like. Yeah, they have, like, a lot of, like, short-term memory issues. They, like, fight, and then they leave, and then they forget that the other person exists. So that the by, by the time the next episode starts, they can be, like, somewhat friendly again. It's... Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's strange, because I guess that, like, Jack is supposed to be, like, sort of a lone wolf, but everybody in the city really respects him because he's so cool and badass. And Sharnhorst yep. is, like, a, a dictator trying to develop, like, death rays so she can kill all the bandits roaming around, including Jack, and, like, constantly has just outward contempt for Mother Earth on which we live. Like, does not yes. want the planet to exist. Yep. <laughs> Is constantly, call like, basically calling Jack, like, a... A, a tree hugger. In, yeah, yeah, like his whatever. hoaxy... Yeah. Climate change shenanigans. I'm, I'm sort of shocked in the world of the show that the Earth still exists in 2516. Right? Like, we didn't completely blow it up? Okay. I found it hard to suspend my disbelief there. Yeah, maybe maybe it's like <laughs> Earth 2. Like, maybe they somehow made it to another... Oh, that would explain why, like, New York and, like, fucking the Grand Canyon were, like, two feet from each other. <laughs> like, at the beginning of one of the episodes, like, they're at New York, or, like, what used to be New York. And then the next episode, they're, like, 
set by the backdrop of the Grand Canyon. I'm like, um, okay. It's the Grand Canyon, too. It's just outside of... It's the Grand Canyon, uh, too. Schenectady. Schenectady. (laughs) Schenectady. I never know because the name of that movie is Schenectady, New York, and then it's Schenectady. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so, like, what would Jersey be in this, like, post-apocalyptic world? Jersey is affluent. New Jersey is, like... Is like there's no apocalypse there at all and everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. Like society continued on as it like has for like the last ten thousand years. Right. This is really only what New York looks like, <laughs> like with the dinosaurs and everything, and everybody there is like, Hey, I'm I'm a New Yorker. I can't leave. This is my home. <laughs> And this is what happens when you don't observe proper social distancing. <laughs> God, that joke's going to be so dated so fast. Like a oh, week right. after this episode I'm so comes sorry, out. Mia. <laughs> You're going to have to edit that out for like anything post like initial release. Oh my God. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. God. This show does some weird shit with aspect ratio changes. Oh, God. I was so thrown off by that at first. I'm like, wait, why are we now letterboxing to... Wait, what? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, letterboxing to a commercial break. Or like the last two minutes of an episode will be letterboxed. Or like the first two minutes. And I'm like... This isn't Samurai Jack, motherfucker. Like, you're not doing this for any stylistic reasons. You're just doing it because it looks, I don't know. 
Like, it's like, oh, and we're ending the scene. Have a commercial, kids. And we're back. Or like... That's a really great point, though, that it would have broadcasted when it was going to commercial break. So maybe it was like to tell kids, like, hey, kids, we're going to commercial. You better get up and get ready to go get some more cereal. Maybe. You know what? That's not a bad hypothesis there. That's it. There's there's not much to talk about with the aspect ratio thing. It was just stupid and a little bit pointless. It was just something that, like, yeah... And I guess that it would have been a nice stylistic choice if it felt like it was at all intentional or interesting to do. Or interesting or, like, carried any kind of, like, substantial, like, meaning with regards to, like, the animation as a storytelling device, but... It was just there. Yeah, it kind of feels like if they had done it like during fight scenes or yeah, something like that yeah. and done like a Samurai Jack thing, changed it up a lot. Exactly. That could have been That's really That's what I was cool. thinking. But whatever. They did what they did. It's Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. They didn't give a shit. <laughs> I have a potentially like hot take. Governor Sharnhorse is actually a really good villain because her schemes are like way too overcomplicated. And it's then true. like the hero just completely like overcomplicates the response to the schemes. Yeah. So I think that's something, like, they did really well here. Like, especially for, like, a Saturday morning cartoon, where it's just, like, we need camp in everything. That's true. I mean, it's a good villain archetype because we have everybody in the world trust this woman, despite the fact that she's constantly trying to blow the world up. Exactly. Like, she's got, like, a Lex Luthor thing going on where, like, somehow she's the mayor of the city and everybody's like, we trust you indefinitely. And then she's like, hey, we're going to, like, starve our people so that we can, uh, I don't know, uh, drive the dinosaurs out. And everybody's like, okay, cool, sounds good. And then Jack has to be like, wait a minute, we don't want to starve everybody. (laughs) And then in the next episode, everybody forgets that she did that in the first place. The singular solo voice of reason, (laughs) Jack Tenrick. That's true. And then everybody is constantly like, he's a wild card. He's so crazy. He loves the environment. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. dial it back a little bit, buddy. Like, maybe we should all care a little bit about the environment. It's a post-apocalyptic wasteland out there. Right? Like, we have, like, two resources left. (laughs) And they are food and dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, one one really interesting thing about this series, or maybe not, who cares, is uh, it was created and written by the writer of Die Hard, Die Hard 2, and um, Judge Dredd, the Sylvester Stallone oh, film. Oh, really? Yeah, as well as others. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Made a lot of crazy movies, this guy. Steven D'Souza. A C- Steven D'Souza. Yeah. Yeah. Co-wrote Mando, Die Hard. Co-wrote Judge Dredd. Dredd. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Die, hard too, die Harder. I have a little bit more respect for this now. <laughs> you think the show is retroactively better because of that? Yeah. Like, like once you get that big name on the t- on, not that I recognize the name. Right. On the like headline. Maybe like his co-writer on all of those movies was the one who held him back and grounded all of those movies in reality. Like, if it was just Steven D'Souza writing Die Hard, he would have like time travel it would have been dinosaurs yeah it would have been dino- dinosaur hard dinosaur hard that's a good movie though sneaking around <laughs> in a building with a bunch of dinosaurs trying to save his wife it would have been very jurassic park oh god that would have been such a good christmas film but <laughs> <laughs> yes it would be great if it was exactly the same movie like hard r you know walks on the glass the same still. exactly yeah all that stuff takes out raptors one at a time classic film 
dinosaur heart. Classic. <laughs> Let's see. So so we didn't actually watch all of the same episodes. Um, of all the episodes that you watched, which one was your favorite? Okay, so the, the two other episodes that I... So I watched one and two, um, obviously, to get my foot in the door of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I watched five and six because I read the uh, the descriptions on the Wikipedia page. And I'm like, lizard people? Yes, please. Oh. I want more of this. Yeah, that's how you got to do it, really. Like, I watched like one, two, three, and then I was like, oh, an episode with a robot? Okay. Now we're talking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, like, again, like Hannah Dundee, um, the lizard people are just kind of like there as accessories. So are these like sentient lizard people or not sentient, but like, do they have higher, higher learning, higher learning? Like they go to fucking college. <laughs> they went to college. Yeah. Um, they graduated <laughs> uh, summa cum laude. They exist as like sentient beings. They have like a social structure, like a social order. They exist in like tribes, like everybody else in this universe. Okay, sure. Um do they seem as though they were lizards first and evolved into human-ish creatures, or do they seem like what? they were humans and then got turned into lizards, like street I sharks? Honestly, couldn't tell you. I okay. think my gut instinct is one. I want to say like they're lizards and like they evolved to be people. So clearly, there's like centuries of crossbreeding. You know, <laughs> people fucking lizards <laughs> or. Or we had lizard people before, and then they went where the dinosaurs went, and then they came back up when humanity destroyed itself. Oh, even better. You know what? I like this. Because then that that lends credence to every fucking conspiracy theory that exists (laughs) today. So the lizard people are involved in the plot in what way? Like, everybody wants to kill them, or they... They sort of act as plot points. Okay. And then, like, this kid, this random, like, wild child kid is riding a dinosaur at the beginning of episode five. Hannah honks the horn of the car, causing him to fall off the dinosaur and get trampled. Um, So she's like, oh, my God, he's hurt. And then she, like, sets off on this journey to, like, find him after he gets hurt. Yeah, that's sort of the entirety of Hannah Dundee's character, isn't it? Is that she's always, like falling in love with some strange man they just met or trying to mother some strange child they just met. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I get it. Like, the the writers didn't know what women are like, so they wrote you this way. I understand. Yeah. They've heard of them, for sure. Women? Women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did watch that episode, too, and that was just, like, sort of ridiculous how she's like, okay, wild child, whatever. Yeah. Because in the episode with the android, basically, they, they bring him out of hypersleep. Like, they find him in cryosleep or something like that. And she immediately falls in love with him, then realizes that he's an android halfway through the episode. And she seems to regret having loved him in the first place. Like, she has a very ominous line where she's like, man, when I make a mistake, I really do it in a big way. And I'm like, Hannah Dundee, did you did you fuck the robot? Like, Also, like, that's a little bit like racist. Like, we're teaching kids to be racist here. Just because it's an android, her relationship was, like, made null and void. Like, like well, this is calling back to, like, 
like 1950s. Well, when you realize that it's a robot, you start to realize that it really hasn't set, it doesn't have any human emotions and doesn't is not a convincing human at all. Like I knew going in that it was a robot, but like the entirety of her conversations with the robot is she's like, "Hey, uh what's the weather out like today? And he's like, it's 57 degrees Celsius with 32% humidity. Better bring a jacket or something like that. And she's like, wow, I'm in love with you. <laughs> like, can, can I confide in you something here? Like, mm-hmm. I really love it when women talk to me like that, just like completely cold and like robotic. Mm-hmm. You know, that really gets me going. Yeah, all of your conversations with like partners are just, just like, like, hey, what time is it? It is. It is 1947 right. and 30 seconds. <laughs> 31 seconds, 32 seconds. They start counting it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so ha- Hannah Dundee makes a bunch of really questionable choices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's really all her character is, is questionable choice. I mean, she hangs out with Jack, and that in itself is a very questionable choice. Like, he is not yeah. a great dude. I mean, he he loves the environment, he loves animals, but he seems to generally detest women, science, everything that's not a car or a dinosaur. Yep. Um, we, we didn't really talk about how the cars play into... We talked about the dinosaurs, we didn't talk about oh, how the God, Cadillacs okay. play the into cars. the whole thing. The, the main thing of the show is that every episode finds a way to shoehorn in a Cadillac in like they'll need to be like herd a bunch of dinosaurs and they're like, well, we'll herd them with the car. We'll chase after them and honk the horn. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things, so their design is like very like eighties Cadillac. They operate like this, like magical all-terrain vehicle because they're able to drive through, like, jungle spaces and, like, traverse the jungle. It's true. They drive it into a river at one point, and they're just, like, driving down the river. Yeah. I'm like, wow. They've had, like, major technical improvements that they can have, like, this kind of body. And, like, <laughs> it's just, like, nice, nice. So when are we seeing when, – when do we get there? Like, does that happen in 2020? Does That's that happen true. in, like, 2100? Or, yeah. like, do we have to wait until 25 to, to the 2500s to get cars well, that drive like that? I, I mean, the show seems to have a very skewed perspective on what we'll be capable of doing at any point in time because the, the android, the fully functioning human-passing android that they bring out of cryosleep – was put in cryosleep in the year 2027. I don't think seven years from now we'll have the capacity to make androids like that. So it kind of suffers from like the back to the future, future prediction kind of problem where we did not have self-lacing shoes. Um, we did not have hoverboards. Wait, you didn't get a hoverboard? Oh, they, they definitely have them. You know what? It's because we're too, like, state-controlled here. Like, everything is provided for by the government. They just didn't deem hoverboards necessary for us, I guess. That's true. Yeah, you got to come to America so you can get a hoverboard. You know, I want that thing that, that George McFly has in Back to the Future, yeah. too, where um, where he's, like, floating around upside down so you can't tell that they're reusing behind-the-scenes footage from the first movie. <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Let's see. What else do I have here? Anything else about this fucking show? 
Not really. A lot of these episodes, I would watch the entire thing and have like one joke. Like there's a lot of episodes of the show where you can go through the entire thing and not really take anything away from it. Yeah. It's just very easy. Take a nap while you're watching it kind of show. I I guess that I expected it to be a little bit more crazy. Like another one that I found when I was doing research for the show, I sent you a link to Dino Saucers. (laughs) Which is like pretty much the same show except with no Cadillacs and talking dinosaurs. And that seems like that would have been a home run in comparison. So like one of the things that I noticed during all of the action sequences, like the the animation just felt so slow. Like I, I, I scrolled through each frame using YouTube and like it is animated on the twos for the most part. So I'm like, how does this feel so slow? Like, like it shouldn't feel this slow. Like, it felt like it was animating on, like, the fives. Yeah, it, it sort of moves at a snail's pace. But the animation itself doesn't look terrible, necessarily. Like, it looks no, like there like was the some money behind it. the animation doesn't look terrible, but I just don't know how it felt so slow, despite, like, the, the animation style. And I, I just don't get it. <laughs> I think it's just a bad cartoon, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just not very good, and nobody really cared all that much about it, and so they didn't really put all that much work into it. Like, it feels like it was copy-pasted episodes taken from another show, and then they added in dinosaurs and Cadillacs. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that I didn't notice any, like, reused animations outside from, like, the cars. Like, I didn't notice... Maybe I just wasn't paying attention hard enough, but like it didn't seem like they had reused like slates or anything. Yeah, I feel like 90% of the animation here could have been taken directly from uh, Dino Riders. Valid. Okay. I didn't watch that, and you did for the podcast. Yeah, Dino Riders was uh, really something. Okay, valid, valid. So maybe they did reuse animation, just not from this show. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Maybe. Well, that's uh, that's Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me on this episode, Emma. Um, where can people find you on social media? Where can people find your podcast? Yeah, so people can find me at uh, on Twitter at Nocturne Musings. Um, so that's my personal Twitter. I also produce a podcast called Unsound Theories. Basically, I make my fiancé and our really close friend watch movies without sound, and then they have to try and figure out the plot. And it's just, it's never good, and it's frequently erotic. Great. And I'm on Twitter, at StopTweetingMia. Thank you for listening to the Cynical Cartoons podcast for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant, and I'm here if you need to talk. CBS Saturday. What the devil is that? Starting September 18th, it's the all-new Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.